Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm going to be reading Proverbs 22. A good name is to be more desired than great wealth. Favor is better than silver and gold. The rich and the poor have a common bond. The Lord is the maker of them all. The prudent sees the evil and hides himself, but the naive go on and are punished for it. The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. He who guards himself will be far from them. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. He who sows iniquity will reap vanity, and the rod of his fury will perish. He who is generous will be blessed, for he gives some of his food to the poor. Drive out the scoffer, and contention will go out. Even strife and dishonor will cease. He who loves purity of heart, and whose speech is gracious, the kind is his friend. The eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge, but he who overthrows the words of the treacherous man. The sluggard says, There is a lion outside, I will be killed in the streets. The mouth of an adulteress is a deep pit. He who is cursed of the Lord will fall into it. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. He who oppresses the poor to make more for himself, or who gives to the rich, will only come to poverty. Incline your ear and hear the word of the wise, and apply your mind to my knowledge. For it will be pleasant if you keep them within you that they may be ready on your lips. So that your trust may be in the Lord, I have taught you today, even you. Have I not written to you excellent things of counsels and knowledge, to make you know the certainty of the word of truth, that you may correctly answer him who sent you? Do not rob the poor because he is poor, or crush the afflicted at the gate. For the Lord will plead their case, and take the life of those who rob them. Do not associate with a man given to anger, or go with a hot-tempered man, for you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. Do not be among those who give pledges, among those who become guarantors for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should he take your bed from you under you? Do not move the ancient boundary which your fathers have set. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Pretty, pretty sad. You call the boss and say... There's a lion outside. <laughs> Can't come to work. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Woo. What do you mean by that? Huh? What do you mean by that? And there it says it's the sluggard who said that there's a that there's a oh, there's okay. a lion outside. Lion in the yard. Everybody run. Lion's gonna get you. Ah. <laughs> All right. Um. Uh, 
Great Chapel Bible Church. I forget how we start out on the morning, so let's just go on to our to our first hymn this morning, and I'll open us up in prayer. And I believe it's trust and obey. Um, if it's not, it's heaven came down. <laughs> so let's hit number one. See what we got. heaven thank you for this opportunity this morning and the privilege to meet together to hear your words and it is it is your words that provide the freedom by which we do so 
lift up our hearts, open them up, that we might learn this morning, that we may make right application, and may we glorify Thee in all that we say, all that we think, and all that we do, as we continue to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Anybody a little off this morning on time? Yeah. A little bit of extra time. What's that? Joey was a little off this morning. I woke up confused because I thought it was later than what it was. Really? That was just a time? <laughs> the timing? Uh, I just left the time as it was until I knew I had to adjust them. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instructions about washing and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we do if God permits. For in the case of those who have been enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have been partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. A lot of questions on this, a lot of troubling uh, a lot of controversies and troubles with this verse because there are those that um, that look at it and they're worried that they can lose their salvation. I stand on the principle that you cannot lose your salvation. You did not, nothing for it to begin with. And there's nothing that you can do to lose your salvation. Um, and even we're going to be also surprised by this because there's also a few things that I've learned over the past day or two that actually gives us a little bit more. It's a little different than what we think about maturity. And is it really, is it really a closed door to our spiritual growth? But these are some things that we're going to be covering today and Thursday night. Now, some really interesting things that's going to set, set some things straight. At least it's set it with me. So, first of all, let me give you a point. that Hebrews chapter 6 is not about repentance from sin. It's not about falling into sin and then losing your opportunity for spiritual growth. Okay, that's something that we, and that's a correction on my part. That's something that I've leaned on. One thing about theology, that studying Scripture may change your theology. Don't worry about if you have to, listen, theology is a study of man. It was what man studies about God. And as you learn, and and the Word of God is like math. You're continually going back over and seeing and, and making sure that the formula is right. So when you see a contradiction in the Bible, it's not necessarily a contradiction, it's just, okay, you see something that, well, if I see this, how does this change this over here? Or... If, if there's some type of contradiction, 
Then it's time to get studied because the Bible doesn't contradict itself. All right? It's, it's perfect. So then you go back, go back to the drawing board and learn. So we got some, we got some tweaking to do with some of the doctrines that we've learned in the past. But, um, stay patient. So once again, Hebrews 6 is not about the repentance from sin. It's about repentance from repentance. And moving back to the former ineffective mindset system which prevents the believer from going on from first base onward. It is about spiritual maturity. Under the system that God has set for us to move forward. Not just us, but the people in the Old Testament. Or coming from the old way. You see, again, we go back to the context. Who is this written to? And why was it written? We were written to the early church. Much of that early church were Jews. Coming from a, the legalistic system, coming out of Judaism, they had, a part of their repentance was to not repent from sin, as it were, but to repent from, or a change of mind from a system that they were in. And that's pretty hard, really. It is. Especially, you know, it's so easy to take someone that, they, that they've been recently saved. They did not grow up in a religious family. They came out of, they came out of the world. They've heard, they've heard the Word of God. They heard and, and they believed it. They trusted it. And then they come under discipleship and they start coming and they start coming to church and they're learning. It's easier for them because they don't have a pile up of, let's just say, garbage, even religious garbage. Or anything keeps them back. You see, Judaism or Judaism is holding these people back, um, or some from moving forward. There were those, when I say repenting, repenting from their repentance, they came out, they repented out from one system, changed their mind about it, moving on into the new way following of Christ, then repenting from that because of the pressure and the challenge, and then fall back into Judaism. This is what this letter is about. Now, by principle, we do have a, we can look at this as going back to the former way of life that we have left, that we have left behind. But first of all, let's take a look at the contrast. Jesus Christ says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that's John 14, 6. He is the way. First of all, he is the way to salvation. It is through Christ that we are justified. Remember what justification means. It means that we've been judicated, that our crimes have been wiped out. We, we've got, our slate has been cleaned. Through Jesus Christ, our slate has been clean. It is through Christ that we conquer sin in our lives. What, what do we call that, Wally Gunner? You have justification. What's the second one? Sanctification. Sanctification. We go from justification to sanctification. It's through Christ. And it's through the hope in Christ that we go from, from sanctification to what there, Grady? Glorification. Glorification. That we come and glorification is the Conquering of the presence of sin within our lives. All of that is through Jesus Christ. And those in 
Judaism could only look forward to the cross. They could only look forward to this happening. They could only look forward, though they did, could not define what the cross is. But in the Old Testament, they looked forward to a Redeemer. And, and they couldn't define, they couldn't exactly define, they would, the cross confused them. Because the one that they thought was their Messiah ended up getting nailed to it. But all of these things began to take light after the cross, after they began to take Scripture and apply it to the historical figure of Christ. And then, um, especially with the coming of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, knowing the truth, and the new truth shall set you free. To move on, to leave behind the old mindset that the shackles of the spirit, um, a person uh, of a person's spirit. See, religion binds us. Let me define legalism here for you. The first time I heard that, and you've heard it, that religion is the same as the devil's ace trump. You heard that before. I never could understand that. Because religion is a good thing, isn't it? Not necessarily. Religion, and we can also say it as is a religion in such a way is a legalistic system that is that is let's just say crafted by man. Is man's is man's plan, his means this way to gain the approbation of God. To, get, to gain God's favor. And so religion is a system, and whatever system it is, Islam is a religion. Um, your denominational, you got religious systems there. You've got evolutionary theory in school, and they say that, that schools shouldn't have religion, but evolution is a religious system. System, and it's there to bind up. It's there to capture the the hearts of man. And you see, so man's looking at not and under a religious system. Man looks by his own plan, by his own way, and his own means to gain God's favor. You know, here's the thing, folks. From the instant that you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's not a religion, you've already gained God's favor. You're already, you won't be loved any more than you were loved at that point that God, that, that, from the point that you were saved, and even prior to that, actually. From the foundations of this earth, He loved you. And there's nothing that you're going to do to cause him to love you even less. Matter of fact, as Christians, we've been blessed by every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So what are you doing for blessing? What are you, what are you doing? What are you doing for God that you're looking to get a blessing? You've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing. So what's religion doing? So, um, so, move, so uh, the writer of Hebrews said, move on. Move on even from the old-time religion and legalistic system that places burdens upon the relationship with the Lord. 
Start moving onwards and upwards. Get off the first base, and this was last week, that get off the first base. Get off the... There's a lot more doctrines to learn than, uh, than that, um, that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Stop trying to work for your salvation. You have been saved. If you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life, you have been saved. And on top of that, stop trying to work for your blessing because you have already been blessed. Stop looking behind and move forward. I like what Paul says. This one thing that I do. This one thing that I do. I stop, I, I forget what lies in the past and I press forward to the objective that's set before me. Now, when it comes to salvation, we don't forget the basics. Never do we forget the basics. They're there. But we do not live on the basics. We gotta go, remember, we gotta go beyond the, the milk of God's word, and we just gotta start taking the meat and taters of God's word. So, um, so the Lord removed the shackles of the law, and made us free to have a relationship with Him. Okay? We have been set free. This is Galatians 5. We have been set free. And not just free, uh, once again, not just free from sin, but also free from religion. Free from those shackles that hold us back from having a relationship with the Lord. The, The veil has been ripped. So there's two mindsets about the view on faith. Historically, there's two mindsets. And I've just touched on them. The mindset of the Jews in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they looked forward to the cross. They, look, they didn't look forward to the cross per se, but they looked forward to the coming of a Redeemer. The one that was going to handle the sin issue. Salvation to them was in the future. Salvation was a future tense. And that's one mindset. When when people under Judaism, and so you had your you had your your rituals, you had your sacrifices, you had your feasts, you have your you have the ceremonies, you have all these things that were for, for foreshadowing the coming of the Redeemer. They also foreshadowed the sacrificial, the the the, the um, substitutionary atonement. Remember what sub, substitutionary atonement? What the innocent dying for the guilty, and that goes throughout all the Old Testament, the Old Testament law, and everything, pointed to that event that was coming. Then you have the view that was one view, and the view is where we're at now. We look back at the cross. We look at the com- completed. When Jesus said "Telestai" on the cross, that means the work of salvation was done. All those things that they looked forward to. For remember what Jesus said: "I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill, to fulfill the law, to accomplish the law." And Jesus said, 
Telestai. It is finished. By no means do I say don't study the Old Testament. I'm not saying don't look at these rituals, but look at them in the light of having been accomplished on the cross and what they teach us. Paul says that these that the law is our tutor, that it has taught us salvation. So when we study the Old Testament, we can we can see it in the light that these things have already been accomplished. Understanding what these types and these 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 things actually mean, but we can look in the perspective now that we look back to when Christ said, "It's finished. It's accomplished. The work of salvation was accomplished." Once again, what's going on here? What is the message to these early? Jews, that they were going back. They were resetting themselves because of the pressure, because of the trial, because of the length Jesus hadn't come back yet. They started questioning their faith, this newfound faith, because of the persecutions, because of the pressure, because, and many of them were going back. As we were talking a little bit earlier. Some of you may know this. If you're in the computer, somebody may know this. Your computer may be screwed up at some time. Some program that you put into your computer. And you can actually go on this. Crystal showed back this one time because the computer was screwed up. So what she did was tell the computer to go back to a certain date on the computer and it fixed things. This is what the Jews were doing. They were saying, okay, let's dump this and go back to the old law. Let's go back to the way we thought of. And as we will see, when they did that, what they were doing is they were crucifying Christ all over again because now he hadn't backed it up. Now they are looking forward once again to a Redeemer coming. And the, the writer of Hebrews is going to say, hey, you're crucifying the Lord. You put him back up. On the cross all over again, and that's and, that, and that's what Catholicism does, because when they take the bread in the cup, they they talk. Uh, there's this idea of trans. What is it? I just heard that this morning. The they uh, pray. The pray. The transal debt. I, I can't remember the term. Okay, but transcendental is that what you're saying? Something like. But they. But. But they say that. Actually, what you're doing, protecting the bread and cup, it actually becomes the flesh of Jesus and the, uh, the uh, literal blood of Jesus um, once again. So every time that you take communion, you're actually, he's actually being crucified. Uh, bad doctrine. So, the law, when we're looking at the law, and like I said, they're going back and they're picking up Judaism again. I'll say this again. The law was not a, well, let's just say the law was a result of the people who rejected grace and wanting a do-ism type system. They wanted to participate. They, they rejected grace. And so the law was uh, the law was a result of them at Mount Sinai, Exodus 19 and Exodus 20, those chapters, 
when the Lord showed up Mount Sinai, it scared them so bad that they wanted distance from God. They told Moses, here, you, you talk to him and you tell us, and we will do what you say to do. They were wanting the law. So the Lord says, okay. They had a choice between grace and the law, and they received this. How did that work out for them? didn't save a single person. The law didn't save them. Matter of fact, if the law did anything, Paul talks about it. The law is good. Because law, Paul said, I wouldn't even know what covenant is unless it was the law. See, the one thing that the law did do, it did, it, it, it was there and we could recognize ourselves as sinners. That we knew we were sinners. How many of how many of the Ten Commandments have any of us broken? Anybody keep them? Anybody, can anybody raise your hand and say, I've, I've kept all the, all the, you know, you broke, if you broke at least one, James says you broke them all. And that means not just Ten Commandments, we're talking about 613 commandments. Okay? It demonstrates that we are sinners, that we need a Savior. That's, you know, that's an amen. It's an indictment. We are sinners. But these people wanted, it wasn't enough to trust God. It wasn't enough to say, God will be my redeemer. That God will send a redeemer. No, I have to do something. I'm, it's, it's like that person in the, in, in the water. If you, you, you all have not lifeguard, but you may know of this. But, if you're going out to, to and, and they, they teach it, you're going out and you save somebody, you got to be careful. You have to know how to do it because the people in the water, they're panicking. And they're going to try to save themselves. And as soon as you get close enough, they're going to, they're going to try to hold on to you and take you down. They're, they're going to try to be, they're, in, they're going to try to, uh, they're trying to apply everything they can in their power of their own in their own powers. They're not going to trust you. And it's dangerous because they can take you down in the water with them. See, that's the same principle here. They didn't trust God. They trusted in their own works. They trusted in the merit of their own work. They wanted something. They wanted to do something. And people today are the same way. That they feel like they have to do something for their salvation. It is Christ plus nothing Christ alone plus nothing equals salvation. You cannot bring anything to it before, during, or after salvation. There are there there is the mindset that if you don't act like you're saved, you're not. Now I do believe I still stand on the fact that there may be false conversions. The Bible says that unless you, uh, Paul said, unless you believe in vain. You had an academic assent to the truth. And I've, I've known one or two of those, probably. Right? Somebody, yeah, I believe that. Okay, yeah, you know, you can believe a lot of things. You know, um, and I could feel that. I could feel just the coldness. Uh, his, his academic assent. Muslims believe that Jesus died on the cross, but a church, 
And that's an academic assent. They really do. Muslims believe. And there are some Muslims that actually believe that that Jesus rose again. But it don't mean they're saved. doesn't mean they're saved. So there is that... Um, the law demonstrates for us, it, it proves to us, it opens up our eyes that we are lawbreakers and that we are in need of a Savior. We said here that the, this is coming back to 6, verse 1, therefore leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, and literally, this is the beginning words of Christ. The beginning words of Christ. It opened a different view. With the death of Christ on the cross, the resurrection and the salvation message, there came that, that is the message. It is the message, not the works, that saves a person. That Jesus Christ, this is the message, the message of the cross. That he has died, he has been buried, rose again on the third day. And by trusting in him, we have eternal life. He did the work, ladies and gentlemen. And Judaism did not accomplish salvation for one single person. Keeping the law did not save one person at all. When they entered the door to their salvation, they left behind this old system, this old antiquated system. Once again, the law was a tutor. It was a teacher. And it, it didn't say, how was one saved in the Old Testament? Like they're on the New Testament. What is it? Believe. Believe. Faith. Faith. Believed in the promises of God. Is... Believed in the promise of God. And it was credit to them for salvation. They looked for it. They believed in the Redeemer. Here in the here where we are today, we look back and we we trusted in the one who is our Redeemer. So the problem was with those in the early church that their faith, their faith became to wobble. At first, they were excited about this new faith. They were excited about Christ. They were excited. This was a newfound faith. It wasn't like their worn out religion. But now they could see what it was all about. How many of you have ever get when you're studying and you see something and you get you get excited? You say, Wow, this and so much so that you have to tell somebody, this is cool. Last night we were last night I was uh, we were watching you know, we we started watching a movie and it it bottomed out, we didn't, you know, and stuff, so um, we flipped over and we watched a Paul Washer. Can't go wrong. And he had he had some good stuff that I had to stop because I was just watching just just a little bit of time before I go to bed. I had to stop and go get my notes, notepad because um, there was he had some really good things about actually about legalism. Um, he had one. Let me just side note. Just just side note. Um, station identification here. There. Break. What was it? Good. Oh, he, he said this. This side note. Don't get too distracted from it. But he was talking about the attributes of God. You know, 
you know what the attributes of God is. His love, his omniscience, his omnipresence, his, his immutability, his justice, his stuff. And that's all well and fine. And you can say, and you can say, oh, okay, well, God is this, this, and this, all, all well and fine. You know, so what does it mean to me? What does it mean to me? But when you take the knowledge of God and you bring about faith and bring add to it faith, now you say, this God who is omniscient, just this, that, love, all this, and immutable, faith brings you back. That's my God. That's, that's my God. My God is all of this. This is my God. So anyway, Anyway, we, I was having notes on that and stuff. And, shoot, I don't know where I was going on that. I didn't want you to get distracted. I got distracted. So, But, oh, excitement. You're excited when you hear these things. They were excited when they were hearing this wonderful, wonderful Christian doctrine. And they were excited about the mystery doctrine. Things that even the Old, prophet, the Old Testament prophets didn't know. But they began to wobble. They began to... They began to, they started getting a little bit of weak leg. They, because going forward, listen, going forward in your Christian way of life is a walk, is a, there are uncertainties. Where is each, because you're not dormant, you're moving ahead. God is teaching you things. He's preparing you to things. To go to where you haven't been before, unfamiliar ground. Faith is going to take you to places where you would never imagine yourself going. But it's also going to be pressures to you that you never have. You see, as you're going wrong in life, when you're, listen, say, if you're, you can be comfortable in religion. You really can. You see, religion, another thing about religion, and for the Jews it's Judaism, but it could be any religion here. It can be, and legalism, especially legalism, when you're under a legalistic system, it will stand as a cheap substitute for the real thing. What is a substitute? A counterfeit? What's a counterfeit? What's a counterfeit? Faith. Huh? Faith. Faith? A fake. A fake, yes. A fake. Something that looks real. Something that looks real, but it's not really... It's not really substances. It's like, it's like counterfeit cash. After, after before, and uh, during the, the the Southerners had their own currency, and you could buy things for it. Well, after after the South lost the war, that was that money was no good. You know, so religion can set itself up, and legalism can set itself up as a system of morality, of virtue, or something. Of, of a way to advance in your in your spiritual life? No. See, spiritual life is not a system of morality. It's not. It's not religion. All that, but it it's a fake system. It can be. Now, I don't mean to say cut down religion in the sense of don't go to church or don't do this. Or I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about any system that sets itself up as a and sets a system up, a moral guide outside of Scripture. Okay? Um, it's not a good thing.
So these people coming up, and then when they were seeing, when they when they were being brought to other areas of their life, they began to wobble. Some Christians can have this testimony. Some Christians can say, well, you know, my life has really changed since I've become a Christian. Amen. And some Christians think that, or, or some people think that you become a Christian, all your problems are solved and you're going to be all right. If anybody ever told you that. Some people can really testify. My brother Mike, I bring up my brother Mike. I don't think that he minds me bringing him up, but my brother Mike was doing okay. He was, you know, life was going all right. Probably like everybody else, he has his low ups and downs. So he became a Christian. Then, <laughs> that's when the challenges began. That's when sickness, that's when, after that point, that Terry ended up, you know, his wife having cancer and the struggles that they've been going through through that and things left and right. You know, so, you know, your faith will bring you into areas that you don't necessarily want to go. But God will give you, and going back to the 23rd Psalm, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, thou art with me. Uh, so they wanted that good old, good time religion. And again, a legalistic system. They, the law and stuff. They, they wanted to go back to the way it was. Okay, uh, coming back to our scripture at 6. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press to, to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works. Okay, I got my board here. There we go. Help me. Meta do eo. Okay. Meta na eo. And it means you've heard it before. Repentance. And what is repentance there, Gunner? Changing your mindset. It is your mind, change your mindset. I like that. I like that mindset. Not just change your mind, but mindset. It's a very good definition. Well, it um, really is. Because change your, change your mind, but not just change your mind. You change your entire perspective, your entire mindset. And it doesn't necessarily mean it does most of the time we think of sin, but it's also a... a uh, for them, it is a changing of mind from the direction which was the old system. Uh, metanoia from Luanida, the definition is to change one's way of life as a result of complete change of thought and attitude with regard to sin and righteousness. To repent, to change one's ways, repentance. And simply, change one's mindset. Alright, next word here. So we got metanoia. Oh. Thing, thing, 
them. Uh, so that would be them. T H E M. Elion. Them. Elion. L. Eon. Them Elion. Them Elion is a the is a foundation. Is a is a is a foundation. Um, it means the basis for some action or event, basis or foundation. All right, bring us back. So it is after. If anyone is in Christ, he is a. You've heard this. He is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Old things, the law, the law code, the mindset. Thank you. Right here, the legalistic system. Old things have passed away. Old thinking have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Before you were a. Remember this word. What's uh, what's the word there, Gunner? Sukikos. The sukikos. You know where I was going. Before you were a sukikos, you were you couldn't receive the things of Christ. You were non-spiritual. See, as a believer, you have the Holy Spirit that can that can. Bring a lot, and that bring forth those, uh, the thinking of Christ, the deep things of Christ, the mystery doctrines. You had the Holy Spirit teaching you these things, and so, so with the new things, you leave the old things behind. You can't hold on. I like the metaphor of the, of how do you capture a monkey down? I think South America, and they would they would have these these um, jars with the narrow opening. And um, they would put the nuts or candy in there or something, and the monkeys would come by, and they would go in there, and they would grab the nuts, and they would make a fist, and they couldn't get their their hand out of it, and they'd be stuck. All they had to do was let go and bring their hand out, and they could escape. But the um, and so they and they come by and they collect up the monkeys that you know just out, they harvest the monkeys that way. And we are like that. We go. We are holding on to things that we hold on in the past. For the for the Jews, that was their legalistic system. For us, and by principle, there are things in our own past that we hold on to, that we're unable to press forward because we're holding on to these things. I, I think of I think of Abraham. Abraham, leave your country. Go, go from the land that you're at. Leave your family. And go to the land which I will show you. He started out pretty good. He ended up in Haran, on the other side of the uh, of the Euphrates, and he must have been there for about ten years. Why? He didn't completely obey the Lord. Why? He, he still had his father with him. He still had his family with him. He still had Lot with him. Now, I, I, was, a lot was his ward, I guess. A lot had to be with him, but he was still with his family. He wouldn't leave his family. They were up in Haran. And it wasn't until after his father died, ten more years later, that he didn't, that he didn't move on back in, down into the land. He, so from the time of Genesis 12, where the Lord says, leave, it was probably over 10 years, maybe close to 15 years before he finally gets into land. That's not, it's not long. It's not a 15-year journey, folks. But why didn't he move on? Or why couldn't he move on? And that's like us. We're holding on to things and we can't move forward. We can't, until we let go 
of those things back here, just like these Jews in their legalistic system, they were unable to move on in their spiritual life. Decisions and actions that were being taken were motivated by their discouragement. Them going back to the old system, they were discouraged. My message to you this morning, or the Spirit is a message, I hope that's the Spirit on you. Don't get discouraged by your spiritual life. Not to say, not to down any particular denomination and stuff. But when your religion, you see, different religions seek to keep you motivated. They will hype up with music. They'll have a very long song service, and they, oh, raise them hands, and and they and and they say it's the spirit. I tell you what, Steve said one time about that. He was talking to somebody. He may he may mention to you, but you know. He was talking to them about the music, you know, and and listen, I love music, I do, I do. So I'm not cutting it down, but when it's it doesn't take the place of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't. It's it doesn't equate. And people get worked up. It's, oh. And Steve asked this great question: What happens when the music stops? Where's your spiritual life after the music stops? But we could come up with all kinds of dog and pony shows in our. And our, and our you, it's don't ever equate your where you are in your spiritual life by how you feel. That lady right there, and and if she wakes up on some bad mornings. Does that mean she's and she's not feeling good at all? Does that mean that she's not filled with the spirit? No. She can be very much filled with the spirit. It stops after she throws a glass at me, but but nonetheless, nonetheless, it's do not equate the Holy Spirit with a feeling. Don't do that. You equate the Holy Spirit with authority, as uh, and and it doesn't matter how you feel. It's like the drill instructor. As a drill instructor, I said it. I'm sure a drill sergeant said to me, it's mind over matter. You don't mind and it don't matter. The, it doesn't matter how you feel. You know, check, check your situational awareness. So you may get in a rut. You may have, you may have your downtime. It doesn't mean that you're not walking in the spirit. But they were getting discouraged. They were getting feeling, and pe- religious people will look to find other ways. They will look to find other entertainments, new programs, new relationships, new something. I call it. I call it a spiritual middle age crisis. That everything is ho hum. That you haven't had no breakthroughs in a while. What if God? Ne- what if you never see a breakthrough out all your life? Are you going to remain faithful? Some people seek great miracles. This could be a distraction too. Some people will tell you about this great miracle. And you see this person over here. He'll tell you the miracles that's happened in your life. That could be a stumbling block for you as well, my friends. Who say, I don't see God working in my life like this. He must not be working with me. Something must be wrong. 
He's laughing. But yeah, something must be wrong. Be careful. I am encouraged to hear testimonies of other people. With this, to say this, have I seen such miracles? I don't think so. I don't think so. Does that mean I doubt them? No. I'm excited to hear about what God did. God did. Because God still works miracles. But if He doesn't work miracles in your life, does it mean that He's not working in your life? Absolutely not. So don't be discouraged. These people were getting discouraged and they were falling back to old their old ways of life. Ours is not to go back. Ours is not to stand on the plateau. Ours is to move forward. And it's going to be worth every step of the way. Because when we stand there before the judgment seat of Christ, we may not think that our lives added to anything. What did I do? What did I do? I think about you. And you might think, I didn't do nothing for this team. You know, I was I spent a lot of time on the sideline. You don't know what your motivation and what your encouragement did to others that who were on the field playing. That's the same way with the Christian way of life. You don't know how your life lined up for Christ is going to impact other people. Don't be discouraged. Don't fall back. Press forward because other people are going to see you and they're going to, they're, you're going to carry that flag, the colors for the Lord and they're going to line up on you and they're going to follow you. And you may not even know their name. But in heaven, in heaven, where it counts, at the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ, going to say, Great, Grady, and Grady, Grady thinks, well, I haven't touched nobody's life. And there's going to be this guy saying, Grady, man, I watched you and I watched your faithfulness to and that motivated me to keep going. Really? What was your name again? Where did we meet? You don't know what Christ is doing in you. Wow. Let me start preaching there, shall we? All right. So, but their discouragement was causing them to go backwards. Going backwards doesn't touch anybody's life. And conforming to other people's life doesn't touch anybody's life. I call it Mark Time. And Tim, you know what Mark Time is. Mark Time is in, when you're marching, when you come up, and you're marching in step. You're not going forward. You're not going backwards. You just until you receive forward march. That's marking time. Most of us as Christians are marking time. We're marching in place and we're not going forward. It's your forward momentum that's going to encourage others. Alright? We're not looking for comfort. We're not looking for stimulant. Let stimulant be for the spiritual baby. We're warriors. We're moving on. Men and women alike, we are moving on. It's somewhere there on on page three. (laughs) Man is looking. Where where is he? All right. Point. Okay, so point of doctrine number one. Satan does not attack religion per se, for it binds the spirit and masquerades as a spirit the spiritual life. 
but is only superficial. That is religion of a legal in a legalistic system. Let's just say like Satan doesn't attack legalism. Actually, Satan uses legalism, for it binds the spirit and masquerades as the spiritual life. So you're, you're saying legalism. Yeah, yeah, through legalism, I don't want to be misinterpreted by religion itself. They're kind of synonymous. They're kind of synonymous, yes. Man's means of gaining approbation of God by man's means. Number two, Satan does does attack when one steps away from the system that restrains a relationship, freeing one to advance in the spiritual life. Religion is just one of the things that holds you back. And when you start advancing, you can you can expect because God doesn't want or Satan doesn't want you to reach maturity. Why? Because it's a place where you're going to maximize your life for the glory of Christ. The writer instructs one not to fall back, to be shackled once again by the old system, the legal uh, legalism, which is a which is dead, unproductive works. And that's where we come up to our next thing here. Okay, coming back. All right. Therefore, leaving verse one. Be quietly amongst yourself. All right, you're done. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again on the foundation of repentance from dead works. All right, what is this? Okay, let's. Yeah, you already got up there. Help me out. Very good. Very good. Necros. And necros means pertaining to being utterly useless without the implication of total lack of or support. Useless. Futile. Vain. The The ball lands on the field. No, or nobody catches it. No play. What's that ball? That ball is dead. The ball is dead. The play is done. All right. It's useless. Nothing's going on now. The um, so dead, and we're going, and then we're going to talk about this next word here. Okay, Wiley. Ergon, and it means work, it deeds, um, a task, work, deeds, or action. This is where we get our ergonomics. Okay, ergonomics. Okay, big word for me. Uh, just go with the five-letter words, but uh, ergonomics. Okay, but yes, it's ergon. Or ergon means work, deeds, action. So when people pick up their own crosses, it is not until we pick up our crosses now that we move forward and upwards to maturity. This is when 
And when we start going forward, this is when we start receiving the fiery darts of Satan. Even today, there are those Christians that can testify to this, as we've mentioned. They can testify that things were a lot easier at one point than they are now. Why? Because they're advancing spiritually. advancing form. You see, Job had a hedge of protection around him. A spiritual baby normally will have some type of hedge of protection around him. Why? So that it is, it is God's grace that you may build up some strength. But as you begin to take in the Word of God, as, you, as you're taking in Bible doctrine, that hedge of protection at some point, the Lord will lower it. The Lord doesn't test you. But He will lower that hedge of protection to allow <coughs> testing. And that and testing, that testing is dokimazo. It means proving your faith. That your that what you've learned can be proved, that can be brought to to the the firing line. So at at the point of this, it is the word of God, not your religion, that's the answer. The word of God is the answer, not your religion. And an environment of discipleship, renewing of your mind, that which transforms the life of the believer. Apart from that, there is no viable answer to spiritual growth. Your church programs, your music, your field trips, whatever else. And they may be fun activity, but the core of your faith must be the Word of God. It's going to, I won't say it anchor you. I don't like to use the word anchor. I thought about it. I'd say anchor you to your spiritual life. I, should, I shouldn't say that because an anchor is something that holds you back. But let's just say the Word of God propels you forward. And we are to be disciplined in it that even if it's boring, continue to take it in. Even if your mind is distracted at some point, put it aside. Even if it doesn't look like you've heard people you've heard people people say about people saying doctrine doesn't work. Um, Martin Lloyd Jones says that it's not that Christianity doesn't work. It doesn't, isn't that the Word of God doesn't work. It's just that it has not been tried. In a time of peace, we prepare for war. In a time of peace, you are, you are preparing your heart for action. The Spirit is preparing your heart for action. Today, tomorrow, the next day, you're taking in the Word of God. You're learning to think God's thoughts after Him. And as long as you know it's truth, that you're building doctrine upon doctrine, precept upon precept, you're strengthening your faith. You know, a, a warrior may train all of his life. A warrior may train all of his life in combat skills and then only have a few seconds to apply everything that he's ever known 
the leadership, the, the things. And God is preparing you. Just because things are not happening now, don't mean that there's not coming a place in your heart in, in time for you that you're going to step up to the base. But until that time comes, your, your main directive is to take in God's Word. And again, it propels you forward. Don't go backwards. Don't move backwards. Don't be the one who says, well, I, I just don't feel the presence of the Spirit anymore. I, you know, and so I'm going to look for a church. I'm going to look for a spiritual church. No, you're looking for a church that they're just used to pacifying Napios believers, baby believers. I'm just going to go to church where they can, they can, they can give me my little sucker and you know my little thing and and make me feel make me feel good. You can find yourself a Joel Olstein church. So the writer instructs. The writer instructs, move on from elementary teachings related to salvation. And set aside that which does not contribute to your spiritual growth. Dead works, unpredictable works. Dead works are those things that, that a legalistic system, I should expound on that just a couple minutes so we have left. Dead works is those things that are not productive to your spiritual life. Music may be encouraging. You may enjoy the song service. I do. Going out and you're know, going out and helping people. Different things may may encourage you and help encourage others. Great, fantastic. But when you're doing it, when you're doing it in order to to advance yourself in the spiritual life, it's wrong motives. It's dead works. Dead works are those things that do not advance you forward. Your do-goodisms do not advance you forward. Your morality does not advance you forward. What does advance you forward? You see, your works have to come out of your spiritual growth. Let's go back to, let's go to Psalm 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scuffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. And you can read Joshua, same thing, going back to Joshua chapter 1. He says, meditate on my word. The Lord is telling Joshua, do not meditate on my word. Day and night, that means all time. Do not turn from it to the left or to the right, and by keeping it, by, by doing so, 
you will make your way prosperous. Our advance comes through the Word of God. Our growth comes through the Scripture. And from it will produce the works that, is, that God... Are, does that mean that we're just couch potatoes, that we don't... We, there's nothing for us to do? No, our works grow out of our faith. And our faith comes through the Word of God. And He's going to open up avenues. And, and we, do not, we do not work to be blessed. We work because we've already been blessed. We do not work to make God love us more. He already loves us. Our works become as a response to our spiritual life, and our spiritual life comes from the Word of God. So anything that, and remember, and we went over this on Wednesday night. Harmatia, what is harmatia? Missing the mark. Missing the mark. What is, what's the mark that we're, Aiming for? Pleasing God. His righteousness. righteousness. Alright, give me my board, son. Okay. You've got plus R up here. That's His righteousness. Everything that we do, everything that we do, must be done by right motives, done as a response to who and what God is, And everything that we do must meet the righteous standard of God. Just like our works, it's just like God's works at the beginning. God saw all that he had done was good. Does our work meet the righteous standard of God? Sure doesn't meet on a boy scale, does it? I think it has to do with loving God, though, too. I mean, if you love God, those things are appealing to you. But But these things, okay... Anything down here is wrong motives. Yeah. It, wrong motives um, and wrong motives. Um, you may be looking at being man pleasers. Um, you may be working for your. You may be working for salvation. Listen, you don't work for your salvation, nor do you work for your blessing. And that would sow into wrong motives. So anything that doesn't meet, Paul says, anything that is not of faith that is not of righteousness is sin. I think actually I think John said. So anything that misses that mark is sin. So our works and all this down here is dead works. And you can be working soup lines, you can do all you doing all these great things for quote unquote for God, but they're dead works. At the, at the judgment seat of Christ, it will be burned up as wood, hay, and stubble. To be gold, silver, and precious stone, they must be God's righteousness. And so, what, how do I know that? You don't know it if you don't have a spiritual life. You don't have a spiritual life with the Word of God circulating in your heart. Only thing that you've got is your sincerity and your good intentions. And say, well, I've, I ignore God's word. I'm willfully ignorant of it for whatever reason. But I just feel, I just feel, okay, I just feel, you bring me back my board. I just feel that if I'm good to people and I'm helping people, God's going to smile upon me. All that gushy stuff. You'll fall into humanism and you're going to take your good deeds, your good deeds, and you're going to 
And this is where they come in to be dead works. When your good deeds is a substitute for the spiritual life. They're counterfeit. You don't know God's word. You're not walking in God's word. You're making your own program. And while other people might benefit from your from from things you do, you take the lady's groceries next door. Oh, good, fine, fantastic. Or you give money to charities. Okay, great, fantastic. You do this, you do that, you do that, and that. But you're not walking in the Lord. You're not walking in His. You're not taking His worth. You're not praying. You're not doing all that. But you substitute your own program for God's program. All that's dead work. And it's not going to be counted for righteousness. And it's actually, you're actually walking in sin. All right. So we will pick up with this. We've got some interesting things for Thursday night. But when it comes to Thursday night, about not about having your, your spiritual footing falling away, and we may even get, that may be even stretched over to Sunday. But you've gone so far, and he's, and he's warning us to not go back to the system. And if you do, you'll never be able to renew yourself. But there's some good things with the form of the words that I think y'all are going to like. So I hope to see y'all um, Thursday night, Tuesday night. We'll have prayer night, uh, prayer again, uh, prayer night. It'll start at seven and will end at eight o'clock. And I've the alarm, I've cut the alarm off. I've got a new system for that, so it won't blast us out Tuesday night. So. Um, all right. Um, where are we going? Um, heaven came down, and let us rise, and let us remain standing, and I'll close this out in prayer.
thank you for being here today and, um, and fellowshipping with us. And um, one more thing about um, Friday night, or prayer meeting Tuesday night, if you're out of town or whatever and you want to Zoom, be a part of the Zoom, give me, uh, send me an email with your email on it, and I'll send you a link for the Zoom, the Zoom that night. So, all right, let's close it out in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for your son that you sent on our behalf. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the free gift of salvation. And I pray, Heavenly Father, for the for the heart that's of those that maybe somebody joined us here this morning without salvation, Father, I pray that you open up the eyes of their hearts to let them know that Jesus died for them personally when he went to the cross and took their sins. And I pray, Heavenly Father, the Spirit will open their eyes to the fact that they can receive salvation wherever they're at at this moment by trusting in him that Jesus Christ provides eternal life for anyone that trusts in him for it. I pray, Heavenly Father, that each of us, regardless of where we are, what we're doing, and even how we feel, let us lock in on the truth, Heavenly Father, that there is the objective to press forward to the objective. We're not taking, we're not losing ground, but we're going forward. Each day as we're walking in the Spirit and we are, we're taking in your work, we're moving forward. Let, our, let, let us forget what lies behind and press on to the objective that's set before us so that when we leave this world that we can stand before the Lord after encouraging others, after after the trials and tribulations, all to the glory of Christ, that we can stand before him to receive those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your grace, your mercy, that guides us each and every day. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Till Tuesday night.